Well, good morning again. How, how's everybody doing this morning? Great. You can hear me? You can hear me, but you can't see me. You know, this morning, this was not what I had planned or prepped, but God laid this vision on my heart this morning that I was sitting in an audience, a congregation here, and this message was being spoken by God, but I couldn't see him. You came today and you could hear me because you were expecting a message, right? You were expecting somebody with a microphone and a message to come up and share it with you. Amen? Because you could see me, but you couldn't see me, yet you could still hear the message. God wants you to know that he is always speaking. You just have to be expectant and listening. Amen? So God is so good that he speaks to us constantly. Uh, but, but a lot of times, we're not listening. And that's like a, a little bonus message. That doesn't necessarily, like, that's not about my sermon. Uh, but I felt that it was so important to share that God is always speaking. But sometimes we're like, man, God hasn't spoken to me, da, da, da. Well, are you, A, are you listening? And B, are you expecting to hear from him? So... So I'm excited, I'm excited. You know what, Let's hold on just one second. Let's welcome our first-time guests, if there are any. We are so excited to have you here at Hillside. And if you are here for the first time, when you leave, we have a table in the back. Uh, stop and get a goodie bag. Uh, it'll bless you. There's some gifts in there, um, and uh, we, we just, we want to love on you. We want to love you well, and that's how we're going to start, by giving you a goodie bag. I am excited today for this message. Uh, you know, I love it when Pastor Paul's like, hey, you in? And, oh, you know it. Uh, and so I was praying, and, you know, we're not in a series, so I get to, Lord, what is it you want me to speak? And, you know, sometimes it's, it's fun to tie it into, like, an event or something or whatever God speaks. And, you know, it was just Tuesday, uh, the rest of the world celebrated Valentine's Day. I didn't. I, I just don't, um, not because, I mean, I have a Valentine, but it's not a one-day thing. I get to love on her 364 other days, uh, and not just on the calendar date that Hallmark tells me I should. But regardless, I was like, you know, love, right? Like, I, okay, God, I, I love love. I love speaking on love. And so immediately in my spirit, I heard, looking for love in all the wrong places. And I was like, okay, speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. I haven't heard that song in a long time, but boy, is it relevant. How many of y'all have looked for love in the wrong place? 100% first service, second service. Nailed it. Thank you, God. But it's true. It's true, we look for love in all the wrong places. We're going to dive into that, but before that, I want to share this quick, I want to share this quick story with you that, that I hope encourages you. There's a story, there's a seminary student, and he wanted to have a scriptural basis for everything that he did, everything. He felt that he was on solid ground if he could quote a Bible book chapter and verse to okay his actions. He did all right with it, 
until he began to fall in love with a beautiful co-ed. He wanted very much to kiss her, but he just couldn't find a scripture to okay it. So true to his conscience, he would simply walk her to the dormitory each night, look at her longingly, awkwardly, and say, good night, and walk away. This went on for several weeks. And all the time, he was searching the Bible, trying to find some scripture to okay kissing her goodnight. But he couldn't find one until finally he came across the passage in Romans. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Jackpot! <laughs> At last, I have scriptural authority for kissing her goodnight. But just to be sure, he went and checked with the professor. After talking with the professor, he realized the passage dealt more with a church setting than, than a dating situation. So once again, he simply didn't have a passage of scripture to okay kissing his girl goodnight. That evening, he walked her to the dormitory and once again started to bid her goodnight. But as he did, she grabbed him, pulled him toward her, planted a 10-second kiss right on his lips. At the end of the kiss, the seminary student gasped for air and stammered, Bible verse, Bible verse. The girl grabbed him a second time and just before kissing him again said, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> Looking for love in all the wrong places. So, most of us have or are looking for love in our life right? And maybe you found your one true love, right? Maybe you found that in your spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fiance, etc., fill in the blank. And on a day-to-day -day basis, you look or expect that person to love you, amen? Like you wake up and you're like, oh, just love me, babe. Just love me. And you crave it. You start to crave that love, and then when you don't get it, you start substituting it, maybe with chocolate, not me. I don't like chocolate, man. I don't. Like, if it has chocolate in it, the other flavor has to overpower it for me to be able to eat it. Like, I got some new protein bars, and they were chocolate mint something, and, and my wife was like, oh, I am really shocked that you bought those. And I said, my prayer is that they taste like Thin Mints from Girl Scouts. And praise God, he answered it. They're amazing. But what I'm saying is, when we don't get the love that we expect from those around us, we start substituting it with things of this world. Whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, a substance, pornography, gambling, Whatever it is, when we don't get what we want, we've got to substitute it because we've got to feel loved. We've got to feel something. And typically what we go to is something that has an instant gratification. Amen? Like, I want love and I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. Like, I've got to feel this. And I've got to feel it now. Where does that leave us? Not love. Children, children are always seeking love, mom, dad, grandparents, right? Like there's a constant need, even as a child growing up, we, we, de we desire to be loved. Shoot, even part of the reason that some people come to church is because they're looking for love from people that have experienced God's love. Amen? That's not, a, 
that's a pretty fair statement, right? Like you come to a place where you hear about, oh man, they've experienced God's love. I want to experience that same love, so maybe they're going to love me like that. And let me tell you, the things that I've said so far, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, parents, siblings, the church, those are not bad places to look for love. They're not. But think about the places that are terrible where we go to look for love. The places where you only find frustration or you find pain or shame or regret. You know what I'm saying? Like there's those places where we go looking for love and it's the exact opposite. So this morning, I'm going to talk about a woman and I want to see if you can kind of identify with her situation. She was the talk of the town, yet no one in town talked to her. She was very lovely, but was unloved. She was the town prostitute, and her name was Rahab. Rahab, the women despised her, and they cursed her. Men leered at her. They joked about her, but then would visit her. Of all the people that you'd least expect God to do or use in a significant way, you would least expect him to choose someone like Rahab, right? But praise God that we don't have a God that only picks the perfect, that only picks the spotless, that only picks the blameless, that only picks the beautiful on the outside type people, right? We don't serve a God that's just based on appearance and past. Amen? We, I wouldn't pick Rahab, right? Like, I probably would be like, oh, that's, oh, you want to serve? Great. Uh, maybe you can just go make coffee, right? God's like, watch what I'm about to do. Or, let's watch what I'm about to use her and do through her. She had an unseemly past, and from like, a decency standard, we would consider her tainted, right? But there's a truth, and there's a truth that should be shouted, is that your past does not determine your future, your choices do. Your past does not determine your future, your choices do. Some of you here know what it's like to not be able to get past your past, either because of what you've done or what's been done to you. You daily live with a constant ache of regret. Thoughts of your previous mistakes and sins still haunt you, and you repeat the phrase, if only. If only I had done this. Or if only I hadn't done this. If only I would have said this. If only I wouldn't have said this. Right? Anybody in here living in the if onlys? Terrible place to be. If only, if only, if only, it would be as I'd always have dreamt it. Because you can't get past your past, you suffer from depression and fear. You may have a constant sense of failure, like I'm not enough. I'll never measure up. You lack joy or an awareness of purpose. Anybody ever struggle with that? Why am I here? What, what good am I? 
Who could use me? Emotionally, you feel numb. Spiritually, you're cold. And worst of all, you have this nagging sensation that your life is on hold and you're waiting to truly live. That's just an awful place to be, right? I had a buddy up in Indianapolis, um, suffered you know, from depression, and uh, depression bad enough, and they put him on medication. You know, and sometimes it takes multiple medications to try to figure out which one is good for you. And they put him on this one medication, and he tried it for like 30 days or something, and it just didn't work. And uh, I w- talked with him and, and said, how are you doing? He was like, man, I'm so thankful to be off that medication. Like, depression's bad enough with that medication. And I was like, really, what it, you know, how did it make you feel? He's like, I literally felt like I was laying in bed covered with a wet blanket and there was nothing I could do about it. And I was like, man, what a terrible state to live in, right? Like, but how many of us can relate um, because we've allowed our past to dictate our present thoughts and how we see our future, amen? So before we jump into the story of Rahab, let me set the context for you. The nation of Israel... God's called out people. We're moving out of a 40-year detour in the desert, right? Sin. Sin's always good for detours. Um, And into the territory God had promised them as a home. The problem was the land was inhabited by a lot of people. So the nation of Israel had to go first in and conquer all the cities before they could move in to settle down. The first of these was this massive mattress, massive fortress. I tried to combine those two in a mattress. Uh, called the city of Jericho. And I said in the first service, and I should have Googled and figured out what the song was, because I know there's a song about the city of Jericho and the walls coming down, and then Pastor Paul reminded me of Veggie Tales, and I was like, yes! There was a cucumber that caused the wall to fall down. How God is mighty, amen? And we know that through faith and obedience to him, the walls of Jericho came crashing down. But before Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right, he decided to first send in a two-man team of spies to case the city and look for weaknesses. And here's where I'll pick up the story in the Bible. It's in Joshua chapter 2. I'll start in verse 1 go through verse 7. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies in from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had hidden them up on the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. The gate was shut. So, so Rahab, so she's in this town of Jericho. They worship Baal, 
right? Like that was their God, lowercase g God, right? Not the God, not our God. But she recognized that something significant was happening in her life, right? She, she knew that God was up to something. She knew that God was trying to get her attention, and she made a choice accordingly. She needed to move past her past. Amen? So she decided to go with the God moment. The God moment, right? We've all had those God moments in our lives. I like to call them God winks. Um, and I don't know where God winks came from. It might have been when I shared my testimony with Pastor Paul when I very first started coming here. And I feel like that was probably at that time, maybe, rabbit trail. But a God wink, a God moment where he's like, hey, and he gets your attention, but it's unexpectedly, right? It's not in a normal place, and it's not in a normal way. But he grabs your attention, and you're like, oh, 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 okay, God, you got my attention. Now I have a choice. Now I have a choice. He has my attention, and what am I going to do? So Rahab realizes that God is up to something, and she chooses to go with God. Right? Like, I've got my plan, I've got my way, I'm doing things. God's like, hey, he winks at me. Oh, I can then choose, oh, okay, I'm going to go with God, or you know what? I kinda, I'm digging what I'm doing over here. I'm going to keep going down this path. It's been serving me okay, serving me well. God's like, ah, but... And he's always talking, right? Am I listening? Am I expecting to hear from God? He's trying to get my attention. Go with the God moment. So Rahab realizes that God's up to something. She chooses to go with God. But first what she must do is confess the reality of her situation, right? She had been lying and was living a lie, right? Most, I mean, she had been lying but not only the people was lying to herself, lying to herself that the life that she was living was exactly what she wanted to be in, lying to herself that this is fulfilling and this is what I should be doing, right? Y'all, any of y'all ever been in a season that you know is not right for you, but you lie to yourself and say, this is it, it's what I'm called for, I'm going to wake up and put on my happy face and do this knowing that you're living a lie. Like, this is not what God has for me. He has more for me. I'm just stuck in this rut. And he's like, man, I've been giving you all kinds of winks. You just got to choose to go with me. So Rahab had to confess the reality of her situation. She, she, she lied. She lived a lie. Um, you know, she lied about men coming to her house and Probably when the wives came looking for the men, she lied to the women about the men being in her house. She just lied, 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 lied. But all that would change because she was confronted with the one true God, and she realized and understood that she couldn't lie to him. An encounter with God. So let's see how Rahab came to the understanding of the truth of herself. I'm going to pick back up in verse 8, uh, go to 11. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you 
and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Anamorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. You hear that confection? She came to that God moment, or as in modern day times, come to Jesus moment. Any of you all had those come to Jesus moments? Yeah, Rahab had that come to God moment. And realize the truth of her life. And you know what's so awesome about it is she had heard about the goodness of God. About how mighty a God, this God of heaven and earth. Right? She heard about it. She hadn't even experienced his goodness yet. Yet she was willing to submit and surrender her life to live for him and his will and his plan. All she did was hear about it. Make sure... Makes you realize how powerful a story is. How powerful your testimony is in somebody else's life. When they hear about the goodness of God, that could be the story that leads them into a deeper relationship or a brand new relationship with God. And maybe you're at a, maybe you're at a place in your life where you need to confess and realize the truth of your life. Maybe you've been living that lie, and you're ready to say, okay, I'm done. I, I had a God moment, and I'm going to go with God. I I I'm going to confess. Maybe you spent too long, right, like Rahab, looking for love in all the wrong places. I promise you it's going to be stuck in your head all day, too. It has been in mine since probably, I don't know, I guess Tuesday. I you can ask my wife, like, I'll just be looking for love and all. Like it's going to be with you, but it's going to remind you that stop going to those wrong places and go back to God, the source of true love. So you spent too long looking for love in all the wrong places, but God has given you a moment or a wink to get your attention, and now you're ready to receive and find true love. So i got a story here I'm going to share with you. A uh, little long, but bear with me. Christina lives in a small, dusty village in Brazil. Her heart was empty, and she felt like society had cheated her of its joys. She longed for the excitement of the big city of Rio. One morning, her mother Maria awoke to find Christina's bed empty. Maria knew immediately where her daughter had gone. She also knew, she immediately, she also knew immediately what she must do to find her. She quickly threw some clothes in a bag, gathered up all her money, and ran out of the house. On the way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get one last thing. Pictures. She sat in the photograph booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could on pictures of herself, the mother. With her purse full of small black and white photos, she boarded the bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew that Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that before were unthinkable. True. 
Knowing this, Maria began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with the reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. She went in them all. And at each place, she left her picture taped on a mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth, and on the back, uh, back of each one of those photos, she wrote a note. It wasn't long before both the money and the pictures had run out, and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its <clears throat> long journey back to the small village. It was a few weeks later that the young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet the little village was, in too many ways, too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned, and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back was this compelling invitation. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. She did. Jesus leaves his picture pretty much everywhere we go. And on the back of those pictures, he's saying it to us. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Come home. Come home. We have a loving Father that is ready to embrace us regardless of what we've done, regardless of what we've become, regardless of our past. We have a choice to make that, that then ultimately gets to determine what our future is, right? Because our future in Christ, oh, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine what my life would be had I not had that moment and made that decision, Right? I'm not perfect by any means. 100% I'm not perfect. I, I, I can relate with Rahab a lot. I lied. I was a liar. God has delivered me from that, and he has given me a freedom that, I mean, was like a weight lifted off, like literally was a weight lifted off. But I had a moment. I had a moment where God got my attention, and I too, like Rahab, had to either confess the reality of my situation or continue to live in that lie like it's not that bad, right? And I could have stayed living in that and been lying to myself like it's okay. It's not that bad. But man, when you step into that freedom that comes from confessing and living in truth, it's life-changing, and it, you're just don't live exhausted. Like I guarantee you there was no peace. There was no rest in Rahab, right? Constantly battling those thoughts of not enough and, you know, having, you know, talk of the town. Nobody talked to her. She was lovely, but she wasn't loved, right? But you then have this encounter with the one true God who is the source of the one true love 
it's life-changing. 100% it's life-changing. True love is found in Jesus Christ. Right? Like that was the sacrifice. I love that song that we were singing. Let incense arise day and night, night and day. Like, oh man, that one gets me fired up. Like I'm like, God, are you calling me on the worship team? Because that one gets me going. Uh, and I am on the worship team because I get to be a part of Hillside and I get to lift my hands and raise and praise like y'all. Like it, this is, we are in a worship team, right? Like it's not an exclusive like, we get to raise our voices to him. Uh, but that incense, you know, lifting our life up as a sacrifice, right? And um, it, we get to do that day in and day out. Um, but when you encounter the true love found in Jesus Christ, you know, we just, my wife and I started a freedom small group. And uh, there was a saying that says, uh, if you love me, you will obey my commands and it's it's one of those you can kind of get it you can kind of get it mixed up like okay i'm going to obey all your commands then you're going to love me now nah, that's not not that's not operating out of love it is i want you know the guy the, the guy that speaks it he puts it beautifully he says when i fall in love with you jesus when i fall in love with you then i delight in obeying your commands, right? Because we operate in that mindset of love. I have to do things for your love. And God's like, no, 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 no. I already did all that. You operate from my love, right? There's nothing that I can do any more or any less, serve any more or any less, be more holier than thou, any more or any less, that's going to cause him to love me any more or any less. He already loves me with an unconditional love. And because he is the true source of true love, why do I go looking for love in all the wrong places? That leaves me unsatisfied, that does not fill me up, that leaves me on empty. I get to feel good real quick, and God's like, hey, when you're done operating on E, right, like driving your car and it's been cold or it's raining, I'll get gas tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it next day, I'll do it next day. And then the anxiety comes from that light being on. Oh, Lord, it's just not good. That's a whole nother sermon we could go into because there's a lot of things that, it's not just the light and you getting stranded. When you let the tank run that low, your fuel pump actually gets cooled off and gas actually keeps it so that it will run longer. So when, when you let it get that low, same, same is true in our life. If I allow my tank, my spiritual tank, to run that low, other things that are nourished and are vital to have my spirit filled eventually run out, right? Because I'm operating in my own strength. And God's like, oh, you, like, you can come to my station and fill up all the time, and it's free. Like, you don't even have to pay for it. You don't have to swipe your credit card. You don't even have to go in and see the cashier because something's wrong at the pump and it won't take your card. Like God's like, just come to me and I'll fill you up. I'll give you all the love that you need or could handle. Just come to me. So much like Rahab, we have these God moments. And what's, what's so amazing is that she's not the only 
She's not the only one in the Bible that this story is relevant to. The other one that I prayed about that came across my spirit was the woman at the well. Exact same. Talk of the town, yet nobody talked to her. She was lovely but unloved, right? And you know how awesome God is. He doesn't go seeking the qualified. He doesn't go seeking perfect. He doesn't go seeking. He used a prostitute and a woman that had five husbands, and the man that was, she was living with now was not her husband, to transform a city and a village. Amen? That's the God that we serve. And if you don't think that you're worthy, go to the source of love, receive that source of love, have that God moment, confess the reality of your situation, and watch what he does in your life. Stop looking for love in all the wrong places. Go to the source of true love, and you will stay filled forever. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. God, we do just thank you for your love. Thank you for the sacrifice of sending your son to live on this earth to die so that we may see truly what love is. God, that it's not just a word, but everything you've done from creation until today was because you love us. You love us too much to leave us where we are. You love us enough that you give us these moments and these winks and give us an opportunity to make a decision, to turn to you and go with you and follow your plan and will and live in this unbelievable blessed life or we can go but regardless you're always ready willing and to, to say here I am I don't care what you've done what you've become just come home so God I pray today if there's even just one here that doesn't know you as their home as their father that they make that confession and make that surrender that they may truly experience true love from the one true God and his true son we love you so much and we pray this in Jesus' name.